the big, big difference between Babylon and Laodicea. Let us begin by finding a Bible description of these two religious systems. First, let us look at Satan's masterpiece, which the Bible calls Babylon. I'm reading from Revelation 17, verses 3 to 5. He carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. And continuing with Revelation 18.4, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Now, let's read of God's professed end-time church, which the Bible calls Laodicea, of a remnant within the remnant church. I am reading from Revelation 14, verses 1, 4, and 12. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And as we read in Revelation, the third chapter, God calls this church Laodicea. Now, these two distinct religious systems differ widely as revealed in their names. Take the name Babylon. In the Old Testament Hebrew, Babylon means confusion. And in the New Testament, the word Laodicea means judgment, or a people being judged. Thus, God has designated their difference by name. Yet, both of these systems claim to be the bride of Christ, the one and only true church of God. Both systems claim to possess the key to paradise. But God describes the system of Babylon as a mother of harlots, the abomination of the earth, and calls her a great whore. Let me read further 
Revelation 17, 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. And what do these waters mean? Verse 15. And he said, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Furthermore, we read in verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And then there follows a description of her activities. Revelation 17, 6. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Now this system which God calls Babylon, is composed of a mother with her daughters, which developed out of what was once God's true church, which Jesus himself organized before he ascended. This false church system called Babylon broke away from the truth and, we are told in Scripture, will exist to the very end of time till Jesus comes and then it will be completely destroyed. Now the other religious system is the true church of God from which Babylon separated causing the church to go into hiding for some 1260 years during the papal supremacy of the earth during that time known as the Dark Ages. However, the true Church of God appeared once again in the end time during the early 1800s, as was prophesied, which God describes as his Laodicean Church. This Church is in existence in the end time, prior to Christ's second coming, and God plainly describes its characteristics as neither hot nor cold. I'm reading Revelation 3.15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I would that thou wert cold or hot. It is a church that is lukewarm and is so distasteful to God that he would spew it out of his mouth. Verse 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. It's a church in which some of its members have become, have become contaminated with the wine of Babylon, making it difficult for these members to comprehend their spiritual condition. Verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Now let's look at these facts. Both religious systems are in a lost condition because they have apostatized. However, there is a big, big difference 
Babylon's probation as a structure has already closed. There is no hope for Babylon. So any of God's people that are still within this system are commanded by a divine call from heaven to separate and come out and to leave Babylon, as we read in Revelation 18.4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Now, on the other hand, the Laodicean church probation is still open. This means there is hope for God's church. Hope. If they will repent of their Laodicean condition. Notice God's counsel, and you will find that there is no word to come out of her or to separate from her. Why? because her probation is still open. The appeal is for her members to repent, to change their spiritual behavior, and to prepare their characters for heaven. Read this in Revelation 3.18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. In fact, it is the Laodicean church that has been commissioned to give the second angel's message, which is a call to God's people who are within Babylon to come out of Babylon and to enter God's true church. Now, I know that there are some who may conclude that, that because of the problems to be found within Laodicean, because of some of its members who are seeking the friendship of Babylon and who are daring to teach some of the doctrines of Babylon, that God wants the true remnant within his church to pack up and to leave his true church. But this is never, never going to happen. God does not teach such conclusions. To this, to do so, is to go beyond the plain, thus saith the Lord. We must be careful to distinguish between what God is asking for and what God does not ask for, remembering that God means exactly what he says. Think it through with me. When God told Adam and Eve that one sin would bring death, that is exactly what he meant. When he told Cain and Abel how to worship, he meant just what he told them. Achan did not want to take God at his word, but the results proved that God meant exactly what he said. When God told Lot's wife, not to look back. She disobeyed. And what happened? She became a pillar of salt. God always means what he says. Ellen White put it in these clear words. 
of Bible Commentary 2, 1000. It is a hard lesson for men to learn that God means what he says. When anyone calls the Seventh-day Adventist church structure, meaning the church, or the conference, or the union, or the general conference, by the name of Babylon, they are running ahead of the Lord, which with a message that God has never, never given. And this is a fatal mistake. Such statements given by false leaders were spoken of in the days of Ellen White, for she often had to meet such statements in these words. I am reading from Testimonies to Ministers, page 58. My brother, I learned that you are taking the position that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is Babylon and that all that would be saved must come out of her. You are not the only man the devil has deceived in this matter. Notice those words. You are not the only man the devil has deceived in this matter. For the last 40 years, one man after another has arisen, claiming that the Lord hath sent him with the same message. But let me tell you, as I have told them, that this message you are proclaiming is one of satanic delusions designed to create confusion among the churches. Then going on in the same chapter, she shows what is the big, big difference between Babylon and Laodicea. I am reading from Testimonies to Ministers 61. We are not to think that the chosen ones of God who are trying to walk in the light, compose Babylon. The fallen denominational churches are Babylon. Babylon has been fostering poisonous doctrines, the wine of error. This wine of error is made up of false doctrines, and then she tells us what they are. I'm reading. Such as the natural immortality of the soul, our church doesn't preach that. The eternal torment of the wicked. And my church doesn't preach that. And the denial of the pre-existence of Christ prior to his birth in Bethlehem. And my church doesn't preach that. And advocating and exalting the first day of the week above God's holy sanctified day. And my church doesn't do that. These and kindred errors are presented to the world by the various churches. And thus the scriptures are fulfilled that say, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. It is a wrath which is created by false doctrines. And when kings and presidents drink this wine of wrath of her fornication, they are stirred with anger against those who will not come into harmony with the false and satanic heresies which exalt the false Sabbath and lead men to trample underfoot God's memorial. Now those are strong words. And what we need to realize is that the warning to God's last church, Laodicea, 
is not the same warning that he has given to Babylon. These are two distinct different warnings. When men arise and attempt to blend the two, they are mistaken. One gives hope to Laodicea and warns her to repent, for her probation is not closed. The other warning message is directed to Babylon, calling them the people therein who are God's people to separate and come out. Why? Because her probation is closed and Babylon is doomed to destruction. So you can see plainly that God is not giving the same message to both systems. I must repeat, the Laodicea message of Revelation 3 is given to his remnant church, which has become lukewarm, worldly, and careless. This message is calling for Laodicea to repent and urgently pleading for her to break loose from her lukewarm condition Probation is still open to Laodicea, and she can be saved through true conversion. Praise God. What a God we have as he sees the condition of his church, extending probation to her yet. But God's message to his people who are still in Babylon is that they must immediately leave the false system for it is nothing but pagan idolatrous corruption. Her probation is closed. And their only safety is to come out and to join with God's people in Laodicea. The Seventh-day Adventist movement, which includes the conferences, and some of you perhaps won't like it, but like it or not, the conferences and the program of the church was raised up by the Lord himself. This, of course, does not mean that the structure is going through, but it does mean that the Lord left a specific message for Laodicea to give to Babylon and to give to the world. This Advent movement was raised up by God for the end time with a special message to give to Babylon. Its authority is the three angels' message. Its authority is the Sabbath of the fourth commandment. Its authority is the sanctuary message of Christ our high priest, who is now making a final atonement for all who will confess their sins. This Advent movement is to be a guardian of the law of God, the Ten Commandments. And it is to preach a message that victory can be gained over sin by a life that is infused with divine power. Assurance is given that such truths will triumph over the errors of Babylon. But we must also remember that those within Laodicea will be faced someday with a close of probation if they are not ready. And they will be lost if they do not gain the victory over every sin 
before Jesus comes. On the other hand, the system of Babylon no longer has probation. It is closed forever. I am not speaking of individuals within this system who hear God's call and come out to be saved, for Babylon does not have the truth. Its teachings are filled with confusing beliefs and practices of paganism. Babylon is not Christians, it claims. It is paganism. To confuse the message to Babylon with the message given to Laodicea is a grave mistake. For without the thus saith the Lord, one is taking the path to perdition. Listen carefully as I read the following from Selected Messages 66. God is leading a people. He has chosen a people, a church on earth, whom he has made the depositories of his law. He has committed to them sacred trust and eternal truth to be given to the world. He would reprove and correct them. The message to the Laodiceans is applicable to Seventh-day Adventists who have had great light and have not walked in the light. It is to those who have made great profession but have not kept in step with their leader that will be spewed out of his mouth unless they repent. The message to pronounce the Seventh-day Adventist church is Babylon and call the people of God out of her does not come from any heavenly messenger or any human agent inspired by the Spirit of God. Nothing could be more clear. No, it's so simply presented in such striking words. Yet some are trying to say today that when Ellen White says we should not call our church Babylon, that is she was referring only to the remnant within the remnant church. But the facts are these. If this council is for the whole church, the Laodicean message includes everyone, even the professed Adventists who have not heeded its light. Listen once again to God's appeal in Revelation 3, verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am sat down with my Father in his throne. As historic Adventists, we need to understand that we are a people who are to cling to the old marks. We are not some new movement, and we are never going to be. We must reject the new contemporary Adventism, and we must cling to the old pillars 
which were divinely established. God's remnant reject the new theology, NLP, and celebration, and the lowering of standards, and the lowering of standards such as the wearing of jewelry. The faithful are simply trying to hold back the great apostasy. We are calling for revival and reformation to stand by the old landmarks that made the Seventh-day Adventist God's true remnant church. We are calling for a straight preaching of the three angels' messages, encouraging a return to the practice of health reform, natural therapies, and the prevention of disease. Historic Adventists should be working inside our Adventist churches to uphold standards, to defend the truth wherever it is possible. We should faithfully do our part to defend the cause of God as long as we are able to do so. Now, if in the process of defending these principles, individuals are disfellowshipped or churches dismantled, we must not become discouraged, but ever be faithful to our Lord. And when forced to do so, worship at home with like believers. Remember, nowhere can it be found that membership in a conference or a non-conference church is a condition of salvation. You know, there were similar problems with the Jews in the time of Christ when he dwelt upon this earth. The church at that time actually believed that loyalty to the temple constituted loyalty to God. And so many of the people in the church today have come to regard church membership as a guarantee of salvation. But we must not forget we are not to make an idol of the temple, as the Jews did of old. For it is character that decides our destiny and nothing else. In these short words, Ellen White put it very straight. Christ Object Lessons, page 74. It is character that decides destiny. In the book, My Life Today, page 340, we must strive for eternal life with an intensity that is proportionate to the value of the prize before us. It is not money or lands or position, but the possession of a Christ-like character that will open to us the gates of paradise. It is not dignity, it is not intellectual attainments that will win for us the crown of immortality. Only the meek and lowly ones who have made God their sufficiency will receive the gift. 
So the Bible and the spirit of prophecy make it very plain. It is the grace of God and of faith, proven by works, that is the condition of gaining salvation. Selected Messages 1, page 366. In order for man to retain justification, there must be continual obedience through active living faith that works by love and purifies the soul. And so we can say it is implicit obedience that is the condition of gaining eternal life. Revelation 22, 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Testimony 6, 356. It means eternal salvation to keep the Sabbath holy unto the Lord. Last day events, 295. Our daily lives are determining our destiny. 540. In order to inherit all things, we must resist and overcome. There is no question, there is no question that many have departed from the counsel of the Lord in these areas. But still the church is not babbling according to inspiration. Our leadership may appear to look like Babylon. They may act like Babylon. They may teach even some of the Babylonian principles of new theology. They may even unite in working with fallen churches of Babylon in the ecumenical movement. But according to inspiration, this does not make the Seventh-day Adventist movement Babylon. But of course, these actions make the structure lukewarm and unacceptable to God. They may be like Babylon in many ways, but in the Lord's eyes, they have not crossed the line. Although God uses such terms as harlots and the synagogue of Satan to describe these disobedient people and some of their leaders who profess to be God's remnant, in fact, in some cases, it is such that local congregations of Seventh-day Adventists have become so corrupt in their worship and message that there is danger for the faithful to remain. So they must leave voluntarily to worship at home in order to save themselves and their children from the influence of error that is being presented. There was a time when these same conditions existed in which Sister White wrote in Manuscript Release 995, Take the young men and women and place them where they come as little in contact with our churches as possible, that the low grade of piety, which is corrupt in this day, shall not leaven their ideas of what it means to be a Christian. Consider with me the example of Israel. Repeatedly, Old Testament prophets referred to Israel as a harlot. 
Why? Because she constantly fornicated with the world. Evidently, God used Babylon to punish Israel with captivity. But that did not make Israel Babylon. However, it did make Israel a victim of what she emulated. Eventually, Israel sank to such depths that she killed the very prophets of God who were sent to warn them of their apostasy. Yet, her probation continued. It was at this time of her deepest apostasy that Christ came personally to his people, as you read in Matthew 1.21, to save his people from their sins. And the harlot nature stooped so low that they crucified their creator. But mark this. God's mercy was still extended for three and one-half years after the crucifixion until their cup of iniquity was finally full in A.D. 34. Oh, the matchless long-suffering and mercy of our Heavenly Father's marvelous love. Where is our own long-suffering mercy toward his children? I ask you, are we mourning before God when we behold our religion despised in the very homes of those who had once great light? Are we lamenting and afflicting our souls because of what we see in the church? Are our prayers ascending to heaven in behalf of the professed church? Let me tell you, in my home we pray for the conference leaders and for the union for the general conference. Are we interceding for our brothers and sisters that they might buy gold and white raiment and heavenly eye salve that they may see? Oh, we should be praying for our churches. In volume 5, page 212, the day of God's vengeance is just before us. The seal of God will be placed upon the foreheads of those only who sigh and cry for the abominations done in the land. Although Israel had become as a harlot, God did not labor her Babylon, but he bypassed her and chose others to do his work. Don't forget, Ellen White labeled the Seventh-day Adventist structure as a harlot in the year 1903. Let me read it, volume 8, page 250. Oh, how is the faithful city become as a harlot? My father's house is made a house of merchandise, a place whence the divine presence and the glory have departed. For this cause there is weakness and strength. But Ellen White personally set us an example. Knowing what she had written and what she believed, she remained a member of the church until her death in 1915. She did not call the church Babylon, neither did she ever write that anyone should ever leave this church. But she did call for a revival and a reformation. She did promote self-supporting work. There is no question. Our church is being infiltrated by Babylon. 
and as being infected by her influence. But this does not make our church Babylon. She is only victimized by Babylon. Never forget, God has within his church a faithful remnant which he calls his bride. God has thousands who have never bowed the knee to Baal. And brothers and sisters, God has faithful ministers today within this church. Volume 3, page 266. The true people of God who have the spirit of the work of the Lord and the salvation of souls at heart will never view sin in its real sinful character, will ever view sin in its real sinful character. They will always be on the side of faithful and plain dealing with sins which easily beset the people. Especially in the closing work of the church, in the sealing time of the 144,000 who are to stand without fault before the throne of God, will feel will they feel most deeply the wrongs of God's professed people. This is forcefully set forth by the prophet's illustration of the last work under the figure of the men who, having a slaughtering weapon in his hand, one man among them was clothed with a linen with a writer's inkhorn in his side. And the Lord said unto him, Set a mark upon the forehead of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Yes, there is an Elijah message to be given to modern Israel. Elijah did not call God's people to come out of a harlot, Israel, but he prayed for judgments to wake up the backsliding people. In Review and Herald, October 3, 1893, mark the whole tenor of this chapter and learn the lesson it conveys to modern Israel. These things are written for our examples upon whom the ends of the world are come. We see the unbelief, the stout resistance of some who have had great light, and although evidence has been piled upon evidence, they have kept themselves in stubborn resistance. The Lord hath sent message of warning and entreaty, messages of reproof and rebuke, and they have not been in vain. But we have never had a message that the Lord would disorganize the church. We have never had the prophecy concerning Babylon applied to the Seventh-day Adventist church or been informed that the loud cry consisting in calling God's people to come out of her, for this is not God's plan concerning Israel. In Testimonies to Ministers 59, my brother, if you are teaching that the Seventh-day Adventist church is Babylon, you are wrong. God has not given you such a message to bear. And then mark these words carefully. Testimonies to Ministers 41. When anyone arises, either among us or outside of us, who is burdened with a message which declares that the people of God are numbered with Babylon and claim that the loud cry 
is a call to come out of her, you may know that he is not bearing the message of truth. Receive him not, nor bid him Godspeed. For God has not spoken by him, neither hath he given a message to him, for he has run before he was sent. Oh, thank God, friend. God loves his church, and its probation has not closed. There is hope. Probation is still open. God is still pleading for his Laodicean church, calling for repentance and revival. So let us continue to expose sin and error and apostasy. Let us intercede for a people like Moses did and Daniel and Elijah. We must continue ever to call for repentance, revival, and reformation. Jesus alone will determine the close of probation for individuals within the church. God's last warning must be given in trumpet-like calls for a people to keep the commandments of God, for a people to keep the faith of Jesus. Remember, God's faithful followers must protect themselves and their children. They are to come out of Babylon, which is Catholicism and the fallen churches, and they are to come into God's remnant church. But they are not to become lukewarm. They are to always follow God's counsel. Let me read it once more. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and sat down with my Father in his throne. Never, never should it be said that the Seventh-day Adventist denomination is Babylon without a thus saith the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the clearness of the big difference between Babylon and Laodicea. And, O oh God, help us who are within Thy true church today to pray for our church, to point out that which is wrong in Thy sight. Oh, God, help us that this church may have such a reformation that the sealing process can be concluded, that the Holy Spirit can be poured out, and that Jesus may come. For we ask it in his name. Amen.